Welcome to the Details of Life. I'm your host, Marcus Wilson. And like always, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to start off with a big thank you. I just checked the last episode with Purdue head coach Matt Painter, and we were just over 4,000 views in two days. So I got to tell you guys, it feels good. It's not about the views. What it is for me is before all this started, I went out and bought all the equipment. I went out and bought Adobe Premiere. I went out and got DaVinci Resolve, which are video editing programs. Spent hours teaching myself how to do that. And then came and, and really started putting in a lot of work. And so to see people appreciate the work that you put in, it gives me the same feeling of when I play ball myself. So when I used to go to the gym and put in the work, nobody in the gym, waking up early, going to the track, things like that. And then to go out and drop 30 and see the fans appreciate your quality of work, it gives me that same feeling. So it means so much. I'm going to keep working. And I just thank you guys for supporting me. And like I said, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep doing the best I can. And you know what? We're going to keep the party going today. Today we have one of my old arch nemesis, one of my old adversaries, Dan Muller, Illinois State head coach. And 1995, he was the freshman of the year in the Missouri Valley Conference, two-time defensive player of the year in 1996 and 97, and was the 1998 most outstanding player in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. Came back as a coach and has had success, was the 2017 coach of the year in the Missouri Valley Conference. So he's had a lot of success in the Missouri Valley Conference over the years. When he graduated in 98, went overseas and played ball for a couple years, came back, coached at Vanderbilt with Coach Kevin Stallings and had a lot of success there, was the recruiting coordinator. Vanderbilt had success there like they haven't had since. I don't know if you guys remember the 2012 championship game with Kentucky and Kansas. That was Anthony Davis's year. And they only had two losses, one to IU, one, one to Vanderbilt in the SEC championship game. And he was a part of that staff. So he's had a lot of success. And we, we were able to talk about a lot of that. We talked about our old, MVC plan days, guys that we played against, teammates, and all that good stuff. And we also talked about his scheduling. He always schedules tough. San Diego State, BYU, Ole Miss, just to name a few in the last couple of years. So his philosophy on scheduling, obviously his expectations for next year. And just a lot of good talk with the old adversary and a, and a baller and a good coach in the Missouri Valley Conference. So without further ado, let's go ahead and chime in with Illinois State head coach, Dan Moore. Like I just prefaced, ladies and gentlemen, today we have one of my old adversaries on the court, uh, a good coach here in the, in the MVC, Illinois State head coach, Dan Muller. How you doing, Dan? I am great. Marcus, how are you doing? Man, I'm great. We were just talking, but, you know, for the people, how are you doing and how's your family doing? Everybody stay healthy and safe during this uh, COVID-19 quarantine? Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're blessed. I mean, there's uh, the change of schedule, obviously. My wife works, but she's been working from home, so she stays very busy. My dog okay. loves it, you know, so that's good. Gotcha. Uh, my, my family, my parents, my brothers, all our sisters and my in-laws, they're all good. And really just excited about um, potentially looks like things are going to start opening up a little bit here, which I am looking forward to and yes. in favor of, you know, being smart about it yeah. and staying safe. But um, I'm excited about getting out a little bit more than just going to Lowe's and Home Depot and the, <laughs> the grocery store, which is basically right. where I go. Man, I, I hear you. And I, I really hope that you guys can get out. I hope they, uh, I've heard whispers and stuff about them opening up a couple of live periods and possibly, you know, like you said, hopefully we can stay safe, but hopefully that'll happen. And uh, we can watch some kids play some ball this summer. You guys can get back on the court. So man, just, just to go back, I played against you in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, I know how good, I know how good you were. I can honestly say this uh, as far as defenders, I think that you were the best defender that I played against in the Valley um, during my time there. Do your 
current players know how good you were and your team was? I mean, you, Rico Hill, Leroy Watkins, Jamar Smiley, Kyle, I mean, you guys had some had some monsters on that team. Do they know how good you were? Well, I'll answer the question in a different way. They don't know how good Michael Jordan was. So, I mean, they definitely don't know how good – or the Bulls. So, uh, do they know what type of player I was? Not really. I mean, I don't talk about it hardly ever. And as you know, or as anybody who's coached kids know, the older you get, the more kids look at you like you couldn't even ever run and chew gum at the same time, which is fine. Um, but they do know the, the, the tradition and the history of my teams – and the fact that we had a lot of success, um, certainly in recruiting, I share my playing experiences as far as how much I love Illinois State and, and what a great experience it is. But I don't, I don't talk too much. Not only that, but I got a guy on my team who started in a national – I'm sorry, on my, on my staff who started in a national championship game, Brian Reese at Carolina. And I've had, you know, pros, Chris Duhon, Dean Oliver, guys playing the NBA on my staffs, uh, guys win national championships. So – I'm 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 not I'm low on the list of coaches that have been here. But I would think that you know just because of anybody who's seen you play, there was like a a, a toughness and a tenacity, and and your teams, you try to for that to be the culture of them. And so I assume that maybe they saw that in you, and and maybe it was just easier for them to mimic that. But I guess that's just something that you your coaching style. Yeah, we don't that has doesn't have anything to do with how we played. You know, every once in a while, you know, I will. And sometimes when things are going well and sometimes when we're not playing well or doing things that the way I think we should be, I will say, look, I got a lot of pride in this program. I wore that jersey, okay? I, that jersey you're wearing, I wore it, okay? And my teammates wore it. Deep moving down the middle, puts on the brake, finds Rico Hill, goes to the left. Here's Kyle to Dan, layup, good! They did it! Redford, they did it! By one! They Tennessee did it! Has the ball shot at the buzzer, no! They did it! The Redbirds have won it! The Redbirds have won it! 82-81, Illinois State over Tennessee. Dan Muller with the winning basket, and the birds are into the second round of the NCAA tourney. That's really the the farthest I go with our, how we, my yeah. team's played. Just me, naturally, um, you know, with a lot of influence from my high school coach, Dave Worland, and my college coach, Kevin Stallings, who I coached with. I just believe in toughness and tenacity and um, playing together as a team, defense. I believe in those things. So we certainly talk about that in recruiting a lot. And then we try to instill it in our culture every single day. And then it's who you are. I mean, as a person and as a coach, you have to be who you are. You can't be fake. They'll see that. And who I am as a guy who I just really get annoyed. And um, as I say, you want to press my, press my piss off button then you'll be lazy and not guard. And, and so they see that early and it's consistent because it's just natural. I don't have to think about it. And hopefully over time, I think my players that are with me for multiple years, I think you can see the progression in their, their toughness and commitment to the defensive end. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely see that. So for some, before we move on for some of the old heads who remember these days that we were talking about when you played and I played, who, who were some of the, right. Long time ago. who were some of the players I, I pretty much have a top three, especially in the MVC. Yeah. Who were some of the best players that you played against during your uh, time at Illinois State? Well, I'm going to stick to the Valley. 
because they all have pride in Valley. Um, right. I would say the best, most talented players, and, and I had the luxury of guarding all these guys because one of my jobs was, was guarding the best player, whether it was a, usually a wing, but even point guards and bigs at times. Um, Chris Carr was in Southern Illinois. I was a freshman when he was a senior, and he was a beast. And he got, we got 46 on us. Wow. Um, although we won in double overtime. And so Chris Carr was just so good. Um, Rodney Buford at Creighton was really, really talented. He was one year younger than me, I believe, if I'm right. Just really good, six six wing, talented as can be. Maybe the most talented guy that, that played in the league in my in my four years. And then I would say Troy Hudson um, at Southern yeah. Illinois was a bona fide bucket getter, would shoot any shot if you remember, which I'm sure yes. you do. And was small, and I guarded him a lot, even though I was bigger. And so those three, you know, I, you know, Shea Seals, my first couple of years, of course, you were such a good player. Well, hell, I forgot Anthony Parker. Anthony Parker, um, although he had more success professionally, like he was easier to guard than those first three I mentioned, even though he was really good. So, but I probably put him on the list, AP. Yeah. So that, that would probably be my list. Are, are those are those three? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I didn't get a chance to play against Chris Carr. I did play against Troy Hudson. Uh, and, man, he was really, really good. You're right. I, he he should probably be on my list. I think the top three that come to the top of my mind is uh, uh, probably uh, Anthony Parker. Not probably. Man, he was just – you're right. He had more talent than how he exerted himself because uh, yeah. he had such a good team. Yeah. But, man, when he wanted to get it, he could get it. And, oh, yeah. I mean, he was a monster. Um, Rodney Buford. Yep. And then your teammate, uh, Rico Hill. Yeah. Um, another, yeah. Another person that I think is right there, uh, right in the top three. I don't know who I would take out though. Is Jason Daisy. Remember at uh, Northern. Oh, Iowa. I hated Jason Daisy. He was a bucket hitter as well. Team. No, Jay, the, Jason was really good. He was my class. They were tough. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Put yeah. him on there. Rico, you know what? We played, we competed against each other three years. So pick up, you know, we guarded. Well, I'd guard him. He didn't guard much of anything. So <laughs> um, he probably won't watch this. I, I would lock him up. So he was easy to beat a guard because I knew him. Right. But, he, yeah, Rico was as talented and as gifted as any of those guys we mentioned. And yeah. just a bigger player than the other guys were mostly wings and guards, as obviously you know. Yeah. But Rico was so good for us and, yeah. and obviously dominant in our league. Definitely. Um, so after after you graduated, you went overseas and you played a little bit, came back um, and joined Coach Stallings at Vanderbilt. And for five or six years there, Vanderbilt stayed in the top 25. You guys went to a couple of Sweet 16s. You know, they haven't had that level of success since. I know that you were the recruiting coordinator at the time. So how are you guys getting such good talent? And what, how are you building that program to get it to that level of success during your tenure there? Well, it's credit to Coach Stallings, number one. You know, one thing that he taught me as a player, then I, I worked for him for 12 years, actually, at Vanderbilt, played for four. You said I played overseas for two years, a few countries, and then, and then went to Vanderbilt. And Coach was really good at building programs, and, and you do that with you know, balanced rosters. Of course, you do it with talent. You do it with need and position, and he's a really good offensive coach, so he, he saw the game through that lens and shooting. You know, we got a lot of under-recruited guys, quite frankly. You know, at the time, Vanderbilt, not that they've been really good recently, but Vanderbilt was 
really a tough place to recruit to high academic standards um kind of the bottom of the sec as far as commitment to athletics at that time and just nationally not as much of a name athletically because this is of course before social media got really big and every game was on tv i mean when i first got to vanderbilt in 2000 we i don't know maybe half our games were on tv you know so uh, we just had to get under-recruited guys in a lot of ways. We developed the heck out of them. Coach uh, Stallings was an offensive genius. And, and we got lucky. We got some pros. Um, we worked really hard. Um, we recruited nationally, which now a lot of people do. But back then, and this is 20 years ago, you didn't really recruit nationally as much. But because of our academic um, strength, we could do that. And we just had four-year guys. Um, that committed to Coach Stallings and, and the philosophy and the system. Five seconds to go. Four, three, two, one. How sweet it is. Can you believe it? Vanderbilt is on their way to the Sweet 16. We just developed them. We had a heck of a run. We went to five out of seven tournaments, I think, two couple Sweet 16s, you know, consistently in top 25. We won the SEC championship. Um, you know, Anthony Davis, the year Kentucky won it all, they lost twice. They lost on a last-second shot to Indiana. And then we beat them in the, in the championship game by about eight. And so we had a lot of success. That was my last year at Vanderbilt. But a great place. I love Nashville. I love Vanderbilt. Um, but that's, that's how Coach did it. Just get good kids, develop the heck out of them, and, and compete like crazy. Man, you guys were really, really good. I remember that. And just me being from South Bend, I have a, a, a different level of respect for that because I know schools like Vanderbilt, like Stanford, like Notre Dame do have higher academic standards. And sometimes it's harder to get players in. And so to be able to get the level of players in that you were and win, I mean, it was it was a, a I tip my hat off to you guys. You guys were really good. Uh, moving on to your time here at Illinois State. You know, I wanted to talk to you about your scheduling a little bit because, you know, you schedule tough. If I'm not mistaken, 2018-19, uh, you had BYU, San Diego State, and Ole Miss came to yeah. Red Bird Arena. This yeah. last year, Cincinnati, TCU. A lot of teams, and when I was first trying to get into coaching, a lot of coaches always said, you know what? Schedule quite a few bye games. Yeah. Make sure you go into conference with X amount of wins. If you, go, if you can go into conference with 12 wins and you go 500 in conference, you're 20 wins, you got job security, right? You don't seem to take that approach, right? So why do you yeah. tend to schedule so tough um, in the non-conference? And, and what is your philosophy on scheduling? Yeah, there's, there's really, you know, in my, my eight years in the league, um, of course, it's changed a little bit. Creighton and Wichita State were in it when I first got in. Um, but there's a couple coaches who have scheduled really aggressive. You know, Ben Jacobson at Northern Iowa schedules, schedules consistently aggressively. You know, I have. Loyola has become that, although they weren't that for the first five or six years of Porter's tenure there. My philosophy has been very simple. You know, I want to play um, a, a number of different teams and styles, high quality. I think it helps in recruiting. I think it's good for your fans. And prepare ourselves for the conference, you know, race, regular season race. And, and if you look at my teams before last year, and the year before we underachieved, but before last year, in our last 10 to 12 games, in almost all my years, we've been really, really good. Eight and four, nine and three, 
10 and two, whatever it is. And I think a lot of that is because we've had tough schedules. Now, if you look at my overall record, it's not going to look as good as a lot of those other people. Like you said, job security, a lot of coaches, you know, we just win 20 games no matter what. And, 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 you, and a lot of coaches think, okay, that year people look at you and maybe they're not impressed. But you do that five, six years, they look at your overall record and they think you're, you're, you're doing something. I haven't worried about that. You know, a lot of that is uh, credit to my administration and the commitment that we have. But I just want to play games that I would want to play as a player. And, and I just wanted to play against good teams. And so we've tried to – we've been very aggressive with home and homes. You know, we just play quality – Cincinnati, you mentioned them. We played Western Kentucky before Bassey got hurt. You know, we just playing good, really good – MTEs, they call them multi-team events, which has helped us a lot. So I want to play in games that I would want to play as a player. I want to uh, prepare our team for the conference. Um, and then if we're good enough, I want to give us a chance to get an at-large bid. Obviously, we haven't been fortunate enough to do that yet. But th those are the three things that drive my schedule. Yeah, I mean, and for, for you to bring those level of teams also to, you know, to yeah. your home court, that's a good thing for your fans as well. And I think you're right, man. The, the harder you schedule up front, you may not always get as many wins, but you want to be playing your best basketball in March going into that NBC tournament. And That's right. I think your schedule allows you to do that. And so, like you said, you mentioned last year, normally right now, I'm sure just knowing how competitive you are. I mean, every year that you've been in, that you've been at Illinois state, never finished below 500 until this past season. So I know you guys would be in the gym working your butts off, telling them, Hey, we're rebounding. We're going to be back at the top of the Valley next year. COVID-19 has obviously stopped that. So how are you communicating with your players and what are you doing to keep them engaged and keeping them on the path to continue to improve and have a bounce back year next year? Yeah, you're right about the first part. You know, really disappointing the year we had, disappointing myself. You know, it's my job to put a product on the court that represents this program and helps our players succeed. And uh, we, we had a great year in a lot of ways off the court academically. I loved our players. They stayed together, but we didn't win nearly enough games. That was disappointing. And so I was so excited to get to work. And, and you always are, but each year is different. And even if you have the same players coming back, each year is different. But I could not wait to get back in the gym in the weight room in, in late March and April with this group of returners. And then I couldn't wait for our newcomers to come in, which obviously doesn't look like that will happen at this point. Uh, we, we haven't been doing anything that probably most are doing. Um, you know, we do study hall every day and I usually jump on just to say hi to guys and so I'm seeing them four or five times a week maybe just five minutes with our academic counselor getting them prepared so that's been a really good way just to see them face to face and say hello I do a lot of individual phone calls I'm not a FaceTime guy like at all zero but because of this I'll hit them up um, video call them just to see them say hello and a lot of what we focused on the last few weeks is just academics. We're not doing film. We're not talking about, you know, what we're doing. We're worried about academics. How are you doing as a person? How's your family doing? What's going on? And that's all we focused on. Finals week starts next week for us. And actually after that, I and mean, when we're allowed to, we'll actually start some film work and get some stuff prepared. But the bottom line is these kids can't leave their house, most of them. And so we focused on uh, body weight and, and what they can do at home with strength training with our strength coach. That's been our main focus. And then as things begin to open up, of course, 
uh, we'll really get into the basketball stuff, but that depends on what state you live in and what you're allowed to do. Yep, yep, and I remember that was always a focal point, even when I played, when guys went home over the summer, is sending the strength coach your body weight yep. each or every other day or once a week because, you know, some guys are going to stay motivated, stay doing push-ups, running, whatever they do, and some guys are going to come back 15 pounds overweight. I mean, maybe not your guys, but across the country, not everybody has that self-determination and that self-motivation to stay on top of their health and their, you know, conditioning. So. Yeah, yeah you know, some guys got to put weight on. We we have more guys. I don't have one guy I worry about getting overweight. We have guys who that month of April, and more importantly, the two months you get in the summer, is such a critical physical development time. And think about football. It's even more of that for football, right? Yeah. So yeah. losing the access and the, 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 the coaching that our strength and conditioning coach gives to these guys is almost as – much of a loss is, is the on the court stuff. And so, but we're all in the same boat across the country. So we'll manage. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, looking forward to next year. Mm -hmm. So what are some of your expectations for next year? Do you have any freshmen coming in, any transfers, anybody that was sitting out? What, what can we expect from your team next season? Yeah, we will add a, a number of new faces. Um, we had one kid sitting out as a red shirt, a freshman, Haruna Sissoko about six, six and a half, big time athlete. We signed four kids early, three high school and one junior college. Um, and, and we signed two kids late, two Juco uh, bigs. And um, you know what, you, you'll know this because you're talking to coaches. Every coach in the country says, oh, I love my players, I'm excited. Like we're all undefeated right now, right? right. So it sounds <laughs> superficial in some ways. And you don't know what you have until they're on campus, not only individually, but team-wise. But I, I think our team next year will, um, in a lot of ways, look like a lot of my teams before the last couple of years, just defensive commitment, athletic, long. Got some really talented kids coming in, like really talented. But they need time together, and they need time at the college level, at the division one level. And that's the biggest concern right now, Marcus, is the ability to acclimate themselves, get them acclimated to the demands and the discipline and the standards of Illinois State basketball, and also for them to be together. And so that's, as I keep saying, that's the concern um, physically and, and just chemistry wise. But again, we're all in the same boat. We're all anxiously waiting to see what the NCAA and what each state individually, what each university allows, whether it's July or August, whatever it is. But I, I really like our talent level. And I think we got a bunch of guys that have a, some innate toughness to them and, uh, and some team guys. So I'm excited. And our expectations, our expectations are the same every year. We want to win the league. We want to make the tournament. We want to defend home court. I mean, that's kind of every year that's what we want to do. Well, good luck with that. I mean, you, you, you guys are always good and always tough. And I'm sure as soon as you guys get a chance to get back in the gym, you're going to be working and, and striving to, like you said, get back at the top of the valley and then make the tournament. So before I leave, I always try to, you know, ask the same question. You know, I bring people on who who had levels of success. People don't know if they don't know how good you were in high school. Um, if they don't know other things about you, we just don't, we only have a certain amount of time today, but I know you're very strong in your faith and, and have success in, in that those areas of your life as a coach, NCAA tournament, you've been successful. So what are some of the things 
that you do or do you have any daily habits or any routines or any things that you do that you think has helped you be successful throughout your life? You know what, my, my philosophy in general in my life is pretty basic. Um, try to treat people right, you know, really treat people with respect, but also tell people the truth. Sometimes people don't like hearing the truth, but I'm pretty good at, I think, telling the truth as I see it. Um, worry about the things I can control and don't worry about the other stuff. And that drives my wife crazy sometimes. <laughs> because I really don't worry about much at all unless I believe I legitimately can control it. There's so many things in this life, in this world that we can't control right now that we do worry about. I think it's toxic, especially for young people. Um, my faith is very important to me. I pray every day. Um, I do try to work out five, six days a week, even if it's 20, 30 minutes and stay physically fit, eat the right way. I don't read as much as I should. Um, I, I, I do want to, I try that. Um, and so that's really it. Work out, eat healthily, um, treat my wife and my family the right way. Um, read if I can, um, pray every day, go to church. I tell my, my team knows this. I go to church every Sunday. I don't care if we're in Cancun, if I'm recruiting in Vegas, I'm finding if we play at 1 PM, I'm going at 8. I'm going to church period. And so that is something that's keeping me very balanced. And that's from my parents. And I think in today's world right now, with so much uncertainty, I think if you can just simplify things, okay, your faith and your family, and then self-improvement and, and have meaning in your life, you know, more so than obviously social media and what I look like and this and that, but what's your purpose and your meaning? How can you help people? You know, how can I help my assistants? How can I help my players? Those things that I really try to spend time on. And so it's been good, but... The first one, like I said, don't worry about stuff you can't control, man. I mean, like, why? It's just a waste of time. I know that's hard, especially right now. I do, I do want to say a special uh, a prayer and, and uh, just a blessing to anybody who's struggling, whether it's health-wise, but also economically and depression and things right now. It's a tough time for people to deal with adversity. And um, I just hope everybody is okay and, and, and we can get past this. You know. One of the things that uh, are part of this podcast is when people are able to take little pieces of, you know, even as coaches, we look at another coach and we take a piece of his set or this defense or this or that. So to be able to take bits and pieces of what successful people do, and you just gave a lot of good things right there. So I appreciate that answer, man. And uh, yeah, coach, I appreciate your time for coming on with us. Yeah. Uh, I didn't appreciate the, 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 the chucks <laughs> to the chest when we play. Hey, man. But, man. Hey, you, if you couldn't score so well, I wouldn't have to, you know, hit you when the ref wasn't looking as much. We <laughs> no, had good teams, though. I, I played on really good teams, and that was did. a great part of my college experience. But you, you, hey, did, you guys man. got it done the year after I, we left. Yeah, you did, man. That I will say, just playing against you guys made me a lot tougher, made me realize I needed to get in the weight room more that summer, uh, which did catapult us to a championship. So, man, iron sharpens iron. So I respect your game, man, and I really hope that you guys can get back in the gym soon. You guys start working, and good luck to you next season, Coach. Thanks for having me, my man. All right, man. Take care. Peace. Thank you so much, Dad, for coming on and giving us that time and taking me down memory lane a little bit, talking about old MVC times and players and teams. And Best of luck to you and your program this summer moving forward in the, in the season next year. Moving ahead, my next episode I'm really excited about. Any of you guys that know me, know I'm from South Bend, Indiana. You know what I'm doing every Saturday afternoon. I'm watching Notre Dame football. 
And so to be able to bring head coach of Notre Dame basketball team, Mike Bray on, was was a big deal for me. I'm a big Notre Dame fan because I'm from South Bend. I support my hometown. I love what Mike Bray does in the community with some of his nonprofit work. Obviously, he's brought a level of success to Notre Dame basketball that we as a city and the, the university hadn't had in a long time. So I appreciate what he does for my hometown. And anybody that knows Mike Bray, I think he's been voted one of the nicest guys in the business. He's just a nice guy, fun to talk to. Obviously, a really good basketball coach because he's had success in Notre Dame in the Big East and the ACC, had success before he got to Notre Dame at Duke as an assistant. A lot of you guys didn't know that he was a on Coach K staff as an assistant for several years, went to six Final Fours. So his level of experience and success is his record speaks for itself. And I'm really excited to bring him on. So make sure you guys come back. He's going to tell you ways to be successful and give you some of the details of that because you know what? That's right. Greatness is in the details, guys. Continue to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much for supporting. We're going to keep this going. See you next episode. Be safe out there. Peace.